Praise the Lord. Turn with me, please, if you would. In the book, uh, we're calling this being led into the place he's prepared. I had another message ready for tonight, but the Lord restrained me and said, I just want you to talk a little bit about this tonight, just to remind the people, encourage the people. And so I want to do that. Exodus chapter 23. Let's just read a bit of context here. Exodus chapter 23. And let's look at verse 20, Exodus 23, verse 20. And uh, he says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the, in the way, to keep thee or protect you in the way, and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm just so happy that he actually has prepared something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, the world is just uh, wandering. They're looking for that purpose, aren't they? They're looking for that divine purpose, and they can't find it. Let me read it from the Amplified. And it says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep and guard you on the way or on the path and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. And the New Living says, You see, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey. And send you safely to the place I have prepared for you. <clears throat> the message says, now get ready, get yourselves ready. I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you in your travels, to lead you to the place that I've prepared. Pay close attention to him and obey him. Amen. Now, we, of course, know that this angel is pre-incarnate Christ, but we know we've proved it from Scripture that later on in, Gen- in chapter 32 and 33, he says, he says it with a small a, which means... Jesus is the captain of the host of the Lord, so he's not the only, he's not an angel, he's Jesus. But sometimes they would refer to him as the angel because they didn't understand, they knew he was better than an angel, higher than an angel, but they didn't understand who he was. And so Joshua saw him with the drawn sword. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. He would visit the earth many times in a pre-incarnate form before he came through Mary. Do you understand? But of course, he is the captain of the host of angels. And we, so, so he, whenever he comes, there's other angels. So even though this is about him, we can, we can theologically in an accurate way still look at this as an angel verse in terms of a small a, because wherever you see the capital A angel, you see lots of little a angels. And so we see angels help us to get into that place. I would encourage you, and I know that sometimes I don't do it as often as I should, but the Lord's been reminding me of this verse, uh, that there's an angel that is assigned to every one of us to help us get into the place. Obviously, we can't get into it on our own exclusively, otherwise we wouldn't need an angel. Do you understand? There's obviously things that the angel has to do that we can't do, and there's things that we have to do that the angel can't do. Remember, I won't turn there, but in, in, in Revelations 1 verse 20, he says the candlestick is the church and the stars are the angels. Now, that word angel means messenger or preacher, but Dad Hagen and, and Dr. Dufresne believed that, and I believe with them, that it means both an angel and a pastor because a local candlestick or church that God sets, you can't operate that church without a pastor because that pastor has a job to preach and administrate, the angel's not allowed to preach, and neither can he administrate. <laughs> and he can, but he's not permitted to. That's not what his job is in this realm. His job is in that realm, but he does things that the pastor can't do. He goes and, and, and deals with certain things in the realm of the spirit, certain enemies, causes favor. And there's things the angel can do, Pastor Happy, that you can't do. And there's things that you can do that the angel can't do, which means every church that has been set by God as a candlestick, as an anointed candlestick holding a place in the spirit, has to have both an angel and a pastor. And remember, I was standing right here in a prayer meeting once and just got a glimpse. But that angel, he was standing right here in the middle of the pulpit. His, his, his legs went through the pulpit and his head was at the ceiling. And my, my head barely came, they don't have belly buttons because they're not born. Okay? Just so that you know, angels aren't born, they're made, so they don't have a belly button. But if he did have a belly button, the top of my head came probably just below where that belly button would have been. He was the largest creature I've ever seen in my entire life, and he was standing in this pulpit. He was huge. He looked, I, I can't explain it. You can't express dimensions. It, it just, it's too big to, I can't explain it. But he was just a massive being, and he was standing in the middle of this pulpit. And I saw him just for a second, and uh, uh, and he would look like he had like a yellowish shining. It was like brightness, light was coming off him. And, uh, and the Lord said, that's the angel assigned. That's the primary angel assigned to your church. 
Now there's sub-angels under him that he, that, he, that he has hierarchy and rank over, just like there's ranks with demons, there's ranks with angels. But you see, now if I don't send that angel out to cause this church to come into the place that God has prepared for it, there's things that I can't do on my own. I need that angel's help. And this afternoon when I was talking to the Lord about this, he said, I want you to remind people tonight that there's certain things that I have in their future that they can't get to on their own. Are you, are you listening to me? No matter how much you pray and no matter how much you're led by the spirit. And that's really what we're talking tonight is being led by the spirit. But even with that great asset of being led by the spirit, there's certain things that you need angelic help for. There's certain things that you can't do and that God has assigned that angel that is assigned to you. So I want all of you to remember, doesn't matter whether you're a minister or not a minister. Most of you are not ministers. Obviously in a church, 99% are not ministers. We're all Christians first and foremost, and we all have an angel that's assigned to us, and there's things that God has for your future, and, and you got to start to say, and I don't think most of you are, well, I know most of you aren't, because I know I, so I send my angel out on specific missions, but the Lord rebuked me recently, and he said, you don't send them out generally enough. Now, do you remember the story with the house and that angel was watching that house of mine? And I said, but how could that be? Because I never released the angel for that house because I didn't know the house existed. And he said to me, because you were quoting Genesis 24, 40 in a general sense, you don't have to know the specifics. You're saying it generally and that released that angel because the angel knows specifically what you don't know. So your general can also work in the specific area. And he said, that's why that angel stood there and guarded that house, right? And then when we signed it, then within an hour, there were seven, eight offers and about uh, the highest one, I think was 600,000 more than what we offered. And then the, and then the owner was really angry and he was saying, uh, we, we, they were praying, let the fields deal fall through because we had 10 days to renovate our home and sell our home. Two, two, two houses on our street had been up for sale for six months. This is before COVID uh, and, and couldn't sell. And they were nicer than ours with the swimming pool. How we're going to renovate and sell in 10 days. I mean, the owner is just smiling his way. You know, there's no way. They're going to fall through and I'm going to get 600,000 more on that home. But the angel watched that home. That's why nobody could touch it until I put my offer in. When the angel took his hand off it, then all the offers started flooding in. Same with the hangar on the plane. I'm telling you, same with Oasis. Seven offers. All failed because that angel had his hand on it. That angel's there to bring you into things. Do you understand? And of course, said if the angel's going to hold the home, don't you think the angel's also going to help this house sell? I mean, he's not, he's not like, uh, he, he, he's multitasking. And he sure did. He got a, now, we had to do a lot of natural things. I didn't just sit back, put my feet up, get some you know, popcorn and put the game on and just say, well, angel, go ahead. No, we had to get workmen and tradesmen and we worked very hard for very long hours. There's a lot of natural that goes into this. But listen, God can't bless you sitting there. He, you need to do something, then he can bless what you put your hand to. You put your hand to the plow, he can bless that. You don't do anything, he's got nothing to bless. You don't give anything, he's got nothing to multiply. You don't do anything, he's got nothing to bless. So we worked hard to get that house done and all the multiple domino effect things that, you know, when you're doing renovations and it's difficult and there's mess everywhere and we did, and then have to put it on the market and then have to use our faith. That angel caused those people to start coming and sure enough, the other two houses didn't sell and after we had moved three months later, they still hadn't sold. But our, our house sold in how many hours? 24 hours. Whatever. It was just, it, we just, from the moment they opened it, there were just people walking through, walking through, walk, until there was a glorious bidding war. Way over asking price. And this is before COVID. If we had sold then, we probably would have got a heck of a lot more. But you see, that, that was not the season to sell then. You have to be led by the spirit. We had to sell when we sold because that house was waiting for us. And if we delayed too long, that angel would have taken his hand off it. And somebody else would have gotten it. Are you with me? There's a couple in this church that I was encouraging and they were asking me about a house and I said, by the spirit, pay attention when your pastor says something by the spirit, because not everything is by the spirit. Sometimes it's just, I'm just talking. But when I say I'm speaking to you by the spirit, if I were you, I'd listen. 
And I said to them, uh, they said, we think we should buy this house. It's in our heart to buy this house. I don't know. What do you think? And I said, well, at first I didn't know. I thought, well, whatever you want. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, if you're just asking for my counsel, it looks good to me. I don't know much. But then the word of the Lord came to me. See, that's what they were putting a demand on. And I said, by the spirit, I said, buy that and buy it quickly. Do not delay. I, and, I, and then that's all, I sh- that's all I need to say. But then to just go a little step further, I said, do you understand that I'm speaking to you by the spirit? And then I said, do you understand what do not delay means? It means tomorrow or at the latest, because it was on a weekend, Monday, put an offer in. Yes, no problem. So then I thought it's a done deal. So then three weeks later, they call and they say, we have a problem. I said, what? They said, well, somebody else has put an offer in on the house and we lost, the, we lost it. And I said, uh, did you put the offer in when I said? Well, no. Well, well, how long did you wait? Well, we just put it in two days ago because we decided to do an inspection. So that inspection took two weeks and two days. And then they liked the inspection. That was all done. Then they put the offer in. But the same day they put the offer in, somebody else with a lot more money came and put the offer in and a way outbid them. And so I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to teach people. And I said, I didn't just give you my opinion. I spoke to you by the spirit. You asked for counsel and you got it. Why didn't you listen? <laughs> you got to listen sometime. And they said, well, we just thought if we're in the will of God, this is the will of God for us. So it's ours. No timings matter. There is natural things. The enemy is trying to steal things and that angel will only hold things while you're in the perfect will and timing. If you get out of the timing, the angel takes his hand off. When there's a spiritual instruction that the timing is now, don't wait two and a half weeks. I'm not mad. I've done that myself many times. It's just that I so desperately wanted this couple to be blessed. I didn't want them to lose it. So I said, well, not to be mean, but I said, you kind of deserve it. You deserve it. And that's, I'm done. I did my part. I gave you the instruction. You don't want to do it. That's your problem. Go look for another house. But that one over there, see, God will work with couples in tandem. That one over there, the Lord was not using me, but the Lord said to her, now listen, I'm trying to help you. The Lord said to her, ask me for mercy. (laughs) Right, honey? Sometimes you... Sometimes you have to ask and be bold. Sometimes you don't even know if you should ask because you know the person missed it. But the Lord is so kind that he's actually telling us what to do. But if we don't ask, he can't give it. Now, he didn't talk to me. He talked to her because I had a certain role and now she's got a different role. He said, ask me for mercy. She said, Lord, I'm going to I'm asking for mercy for this couple. My Lord, they don't they made a mistake, but I'm asking for mercy for them. Please be merciful to them because we've made mistakes and people have prayed for us to be mer- you to be merciful to us and you have. So now we're, we're, we're sowing that, that prayer of mercy into them. Now be merciful. Now, but I had no anointing or no unction to pray that. Not because I'm annoyed, just there was no unction to pray that. So it's not my faith that's working. It's her faith that's working because God said to her, ask me for mercy. See, you can only have faith where there's the word of God, not just the scriptures, but the rhema specific word of God. She didn't, he didn't give me the word. He gave her the word. So I don't have faith for that. She does. Now I can join my regular faith, but there's, she's got a measure of faith for that now because the word has come to her. So, but, but they said, it's, you know, it's, they, they got a 10-day period now and it's pretty much impossible. I mean, they've offered way more money than us. These are deep pocket people. It, it's, it's impossible. It's done. So, so I said to Jenny, well, you know, honey, if you want to believe for it, believe for it, but there's really no way. I mean, it's done. And so she just said, just leave it with me. I said, okay, I'll leave it with you. I said, I'll put my faith, I'll put my agreement with you, but I'm not, I don't really have a, I just, but I put my agreement with you. So she got to praying and got to talking to God about it. And six or seven days later, whatever it was, they called us and said, Pastor, you won't believe it. That deep pocket guy, something went wrong and the whole offer fell apart. And, the, and now the guy is, is back on the market. And so I said, well, honey, your prayers were answered. See, God, the angel's trying to get that person in. So then, so then they said, so what do we do? I said, well, if I were you, I would put an offer in and I'd put it in quickly. But the Lord said to her, because of their disobedience, they're going to pay higher than what they paid before. There's a price to pay. 
I didn't want to tell them that and discourage them. So I just said, well, do, do, do whatever is in your heart. And so they did. And they came back and they said, well, the price is, you know, this much higher. And it was the exact to the dollar that God said to my wife it would be. So she already knew exactly what the offer, what he was going to accept. He tried to play some games. You know, they try to play games and they held their ground and they had exactly the number that God said to my wife, this is what it's going to be. And it's going to cost them a little bit because they got, they, they stepped off. You know, you can be on the path, but take one step off. It costs you a little bit. Then you step back on. Just stay on the path. Just stay on the instruction. If you're not sure and there, and there is an unction, there is a word from a spiritual leader, not just their opinion. But a word, and that doesn't always happen. I don't always get a word. But when you just pay attention to that and, and, and you know, don't ever violate your own spirit because I'm not your Holy Ghost. You've got your own spirit. But if you don't have clarity and you're asking for help and God gives you help, then move on that quickly or within the timing. It could, the, the, the instruction could have been delayed for a little while, but that instruction was a little quickly. Anyway, long story short, exactly, they had to pay a little bit more, exactly what they had to pay. My wife already knew, and then they confirmed that amount, but they got the house and all is well. Now, that angel was watching that house, but that angel took his hand off because the timing, there's certain timings. You got to follow timings. Timings are very important. Everybody talks about being in the will of God, but if you're not in the timing of God, the Lord said to me in 18, you came into the Jericho in this direction and there was a starting and that's when really the, the aviation, a lot of stuff kind of really got serious. It dropped in my heart and I knew that we were going to do this aviation thing right? And so then I'm trying a little bit in the flesh, but every time I try, there's a, there's a restraint. So, but, but why? I know this is the will of God. He had an experience in Gatlingburg. I know this is the will of God and in Dallas, Texas. So what, what, but every time I'm trying, there's a restraint, but then you see there was a release to get the hangar. Then there was a release to get the plane, but still not the pilot. And then it was, took some time, just follow that inward witness because timings are very important. And if you get out of the timing, you can get in trouble. You can get sick. You can die prematurely. You can lose money. It's not always extreme like death, although it could be. So just don't pay any, don't, don't take any chances with timings. Just wait until there's that unction. Wait until there's that prompting. Do you understand? And so then in this year, at the end of last year, he said, now you're coming back through Jericho, which is a year of firsts and a year of starts. He said, you're coming back through this direction. And he said, now all this past four years has been all preparation for you. But it was not the timing to get in the cockpit. It was not the timing to take the test. It was just the timing to get all the ducks in a row. See, there was a season of four years for that. Now you think, well, that's a long time. Let's hurry up. Let's do this. But not if it's not in the right timing. Now he said, this is the first year. You're back in the starts. Now this is the time to actually start this. And then he said, now it's going to be another four years. And he said, I wouldn't have known that if he hadn't have told me. And he said, so 22, 23, 24, and 25, you've got four years now to get all the licenses that you need and to believe me for the down payment and to upgrade the aircraft in the next four years. So four years of prep, not sitting in a cockpit, and now four years of sitting in a cockpit and now upgrading and sitting in a better cockpit. And then he said, and now in 2026, it's going to start that, that new season of what the aviation is supposed to be doing, because all of this is just prep work but what it's in the mind of God to be doing. He already told me. He said, it will start in 2026 and not before that. You'll be flying a lot before that, but not in the, not in the place that I've destined, not in the place that you're supposed to be. Because only then, and then, then I did all the natural finding outs of how many hours and this and the insurance qualifications and the money and all the stuff that all the natural stuff you have to figure out and that we've talked to the board about. And I realized when I run all the numbers that there was no way for us to do it before tw end of 2025 anyway. But God already knew that because he told me I have to prove it out, but he already knows all of that. So now for us to step in on our own without needing an instructor, without needing me to duel with another professional pilot, for us to be in the better aircraft on my own uh, with our own deal. We, I, don't, I don't have to wait for anybody. I don't have to get anybody's permission. Uh, we're fully insured. We're fully licensed. We're ready to go so that that plane can accomplish the mission up north and in the different areas that we need to do down in Dominica and the different things. The Lord already said, he said, don't try to do it before 2026 because you'll fall. You'll fall flat. He said, this is, a time, this is a season. Now do exactly what I've told you in this season and don't rush because now people are telling me, oh, you could do that in two years because the instructors know all the timings of how fast you can do it. So they're trying to, some people are trying to push me to go in half the time. But the Lord said to me, do not do that. 
This is the timing for the, for the aviation department. But thank God, it's not just about knowing the will. I've got to know the timing. Then I will succeed. Do you understand? But I just felt the Lord prompt me this afternoon to tell you that they're, they're every one of you, and I know because I am used to sending the angels out on specific missions. Angel, go and do this. Angel, go and give me favor in that. And the Lord rebuked me today. He reminded me of the house. And he said, now remember, you couldn't know that specific mission because you didn't know that house existed. So if you're only sending your angel out on specific tasks, you're missing things. But you got in the habit, which I've kind of a little bit of got out of the habit in favor of specific tasks. But I've got out of the habit of general operations. And so he was dealing with me. He said, you need to get back to the general operation of the angelic aid. In addition, don't stop the specifics, but get back to general. Because if you hadn't have done general, I couldn't have got that to you. I couldn't have got that hanger to you because you didn't know about it. There's a lot of things you don't know about. Are you listening to your pastor tonight? There's things for your future, for your children, for your business, for your job, for your career. There are things for your future that you do not know. So you cannot send the angel out too specifically on everything because you can only specify to the angel what you know. But if you don't know things, the angel can still help. But you've got to generally release him. Because the angel goes before you to bring you into the place that he has prepared for you. I'm telling you, thank God that he has prepared a place for me. I'm gonna, I don't mean to sound vulgar or, or, or insensitive, but you know, I'm a little bit of a World War II buff, so I, I like to watch these documentaries and stuff. And I was just watching another one a little while ago in color. It's nice to see Hitler in color now. Now I know what he looks like in color. And not that I want to meditate on that devil, but anyway. But, but in just, in just kind of haven't done that for a long time, a number of years. So I was kind of just watching. It was interesting to me. I like history. And, I was, and, and, I was, and I th a thought came to me. All those precious children of Israel, those precious Jews that God loves, the place that God prepared for them wasn't Auschwitz. The place that God... <laughs> They still need the covenant of salvation like us. And God has prepared a place for every one of us, including them. They just not in the covenant to understand it. That wasn't the place that he prepared. That's the place that Satan prepared for their destruction. And I asked the Lord a little while ago, I said, Father, what if I was there? You try to put yourself in the place of these people that, you know, we have such a bubble. You think COVID is something? Give me a break. You should see, you just listen to the stories of what those people went through in World War II in Germany. Good people, not Nazi people, just the, the terror, the fear, the bombings, the fire bombings. Ne never, are we going to make it? Is our house going to make it? Are we going to survive? The Red Army is coming. Are they going to kill us? Hitler is doing scorch earth policy where he's just destroying everything out of spite. Is that going to kill us? Can you imagine the pressure that people have gone through? Just regular people, let alone Jews that are hiding in the forest and they're hunting them. The pressure, the pressure that people have gone through is so immense. And I sometimes try to put myself in that position and think what you can't. It's just a kind of a figment of your imagination. But I said, Lord, what would I do if I was in that hellish experience? Would I get out? Because I'm feeling compassion for these people that you see on the TV. Do you understand? I don't know. That's the way I think. I, I, I internalize a lot of stuff. Maybe I shouldn't, but, but I do. I, I, feel, I feel for them. Can you imagine people actually went through that? That's not a fairy tale. That just happened 70 years ago. They went through that. What if, what if that happened today in certain parts of Ukraine that is happening today? What, what if that were to happen to me? What if I was in that kind of pressure cooker and I asked the Lord kind of a, a rhetorical, not expecting him to answer me, but just kind of, you know, you just talk, you don't expect him to answer you. And I said, Lord, I don't know what I, I mean, would I get out? I mean, under that kind of pressure, would I get out? And, and he answered, he spoke to me and I didn't expect him to surprise me actually because he said it so loud and he said it so sudden. And he said, of course you would. And it shocked me because I thought I am kind of contemplating what would I do if I was a Jew in the ghetto? What would I do if the Nazis were hunting me and planning my extermination in Treblinka? What would I do? I'm thinking that. I'm not expecting God to answer, and I'm certainly not expecting him to answer so boldly. And he said, would I make it? Of course you would. And I, I would? 
He said it so bold. And I said, Lord, what do you mean? And he said, you have my spirit. You know how to be led by the spirit. The spirit has prepared things for you. And the spirit has not prepared destruction. And they go like sheep to the slaughter because they don't have the spirit of God. And they have something in their hearts, their gut feeling that is anxious, but they don't know to listen. We will never find ourselves in devastation like that. It may come, it might surround us, but because we have the Holy Ghost on the inside, we never have to ever be afraid. What would we do? How would we t- handle this kind of pressure if this were to happen in our country or not, when we were to find ourselves dropped into it by accident? What would, if you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, he has prepared a place for you of safety. I don't just mean the macrocosm of your life in general. I mean he's prepared specific stops along the path. Stops of provision, stops of safety, stops of aid, stops of help. And as long as you've got him, you're fine. As long as you've got him, you'll never, you'll never go what you see in those awful documentaries. Never. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I mean it. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. A little while ago, I was booking a ticket and I just, I don't know. I just had a, there's something uneasy about that flight. I don't know what it is. And I'm looking at it and I need that flight. And, it, and it's the right price. And I don't want to pay any more. Because <laughs> there's another flight and it's $470 more and I don't want to pay that. But every time I look at that flight, something doesn't feel good to me. I've learned to obey that. And sometimes he said, even this week to me, I was booking something and I just couldn't get a piece on any of the flights. And I said, Lord, what? What is going on here? I can't violate that, but I, I have to book it. So what do you want me to do? And, and I, see, if you don't ask, you don't tell. And he said, he said, I don't know why. He didn't tell me why. And I don't need to know why. He said, I'm giving you that check because I don't want you to take the connecting flight. Take a direct flight and then drive three and a half hours. I don't want you in the air from this route to this route. Why? I don't know. And that is not really the point of me trying to figure out, is a plane going to go down? Because I've learned something with God. Sometimes he will just do that to test you. There may not be any major thing that will devastate your life, but he's trying to see, will you listen when it's inconvenient for you? Because if you listen on little things that maybe don't matter in the big picture, but he's, he's training you, then when you actually do come into a real serious situation, you'll have that inner witness and you'll be, so com- you'll be so used to the commonality of obeying it that it will just be like second nature and it can save your life. And it's sometimes not always life and death. Sometimes it's just inconvenience where all of a sudden there's a problem or there's a delay and now you're going to sleep over and get a hotel because they, 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 the plane, something's wrong with the plane or this goes wrong. I mean, sometimes it's just that. And sometimes it is maybe danger and other times it's nothing. It's just, he just wants to see, will you listen? So listen, he's prepared a place for me and that place is always safe and that place is always prosperous. So if you're walking in a place today that is not prosperous and that is not, uh, not, maybe not overflowing because we have abasing seasons and abounding seasons, but if your general season, if you're not seeing forward progress, you need to take a real long, hard look because God's probably not leading you. Because when he leads you, he has a plan. He doesn't lead you into devastation. He doesn't lead you into accidents. He doesn't lead you into brokenness. He doesn't lead you into danger. He doesn't lead you into depression. Uh, those, are, those are byproducts of not being in the place that he's prepared for you. He has prepared a place for me. I'm telling you, he's really been dealing with me about that. Craig, I've prepared a place. This is not happenstance. This is not, this is not, this is not just like, well, coincidental. Well, I don't know. There's some kind of plan. I was going to try my, no, there's a very particular macro and microcosm for your life, Craig. I have prepared things for you and I want you to find out. Cole, God has prepared things for you. He has prepared things for you, Taylor. Just because we're, we often talk about the local church and the vision of the local church, and he's prepared things for this local church. But you know what this local church is? A group of people, a group of human beings. You are this church. He has prepared a place for corporate, yes, but he's prepared a place personally for you. 
there is something on his radar for your future. There is good things. There is a good path and there's a good plan and he's prepared it. It's not happenstance. And the more you'll start to start to pray out, Father, I pray out what you prepared for me. I pray out what you prepared for me. Thank God that somebody's prepared something for me. Because I'm telling you, the way the world talks, Greg, it's just like they're just, they're just fighting their way up the corporate ladder. It's just, it's just a rat race and it's stress and it's hard and they don't know what's coming and they don't know, honestly, if their future is really going to work or if it's not really going to work or if cancer is going to come on them suddenly or if their life will be cut short by an accident. And if you listen to sinners the way they talk, they're very uneasy and they're very unsure. Because everything is the luck of the draw, and by my wits, I survive. And let's luck, 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 luck. Everything is luck. Because they're just rolling dice. It feels so safe knowing that a God who is my father, not just my God. The Muslims have a God. I have a father. My father. This is not happenstance where I'm trying to get somewhere by the grit of my teeth and the whites of my knuckles and I'm just trying to hang on and hopefully one day I'll make it through and I won't die early. My father has prepared something. He's got, he's taken care of me before I was born. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to find out what I'm really good at. I don't have to find out what, what should my path be. That's what the Gentiles do. The believer doesn't act that way. The believer rests. The believer says, Father, you already know what you put in me. You've already prepared a path and a plan and a destination for me. My job is not to try to figure out what I'm good at and what career I'm going to do. My job is to wait before you for you to show me this is what I'm asking you to do. And I say, yes. It's so easy. But he's actually prepared something. It feels so warm. Yeah. It feel, I mean it. It feels, it feels safe. It feels like around a, a fire on a cold winter's day. It feels cozy. It feels, I don't know, there's gentleness to it. There's a safetyness. I feel safe with God. My father's got this. He's got it. He's got it. He's got my future. I don't have to try to figure it out. I just have to wait on him. And he won't show everything, but he'll show me little bit by little bit. And he's prepared a bigger picture and he's prepared a little picture. And he's prepared the next step and he's prepared down the road for the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the next step and the next year and the next 10 years, he's got it all worked out. He's prepared a place and he's trying to get me in it. And I need to do two things to get in it. Number one, I've got to be led by the Spirit. And number two, I've got to release my angel because there's things that I can't get done only the angel can do. So start to release him generally, not just on specific missions because there's much that you don't even know that he is trying to do for you specifically, for your business, for your job, for your promotion, for things that you believe in God for, that angel's trying to help. But if you're too specific all the time and you're never general, he can only work with what you are, what you are telling him. But you don't know everything to tell him, so just generalize and he will just, he knows what you don't know. And if you give him the general count, he'll take that and he'll start doing it specifically for you. Hallelujah. He has prepared a place for me and I am not alone and I don't have to try to worry or figure it out. My father loves me enough to have planned my life out to the last minute detail. And if I will follow his leading and release that angel, I will stay on that path. I won't take missteps. I won't suffer loss. And I will just stay walking steadily forward and I will keep the goals I need to hit and I'll get the accomplishments I need to accomplish and the micros will start to come to pass so that the macro eventually will be realized. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's, it's big on the inside of me. He's prepared something for me. And I'm telling you, he's prepared something for you. Arjun, he has prepared a specific place for you, brother, and for your business. He's prepared it. Lay, be led by the Holy Ghost and send out that angel and you'll get there. Don't rush, but you'll get there. Every one of us. Deanne and Junior, he's got exactly in his mind. He's already organized it. 
Just be led by the Spirit and send out that angel and just stay on that path. Just stay on that path. Don't worry. There's no need to worry because our Father already had it figured out before we were born. We're not like the sinner. We're not in a rat race. We're not. That's why you don't have to push people down at work to step on their head, to climb the corporate ladder and be cruel and be mean and be cutthroat. You don't have to act that way. Because when Lot said, I- I'm going to take, Abraham said, have it. Have it. Take whatever you want. Because what you don't know, you stupid little nephew, that's the field version, is that the blessing's on me, not on you. And if you hang around the blessing, it will work for you. But if you cut yourself off, it's only it's going to keep working for me. So take the best because the blessing will produce everything I need. And I'm not worried about losing because you take something. At your job, don't worry about losing. Oh, because they got ahead of me and they got the promotion. The blessing's on you. Congratulate them. Buy them a gift. Say, congratulations. I'm not fighting. I'm not, I'm not trying to war my way into a position because the blessing will make the way for me. And some people, they feel, and maybe rightfully so, because there's racism out there still. Well, because of my color, because of my gender, because of this or that, you know, that can't prove it. But I just have a sense that he's taking a slide against me or she's taking a side because she don't like this or he don't like this, the boss. So I've got to fight and I've got to do this and I've got to. The blessing, the blessing on you is stronger than your boss's racist views. And if he don't change, God will work things out to make sure one way or the other, you're going to rise to the top. Don't fight it. Don't attack it. Just flow and walk in love with people because he's prepared. He's prepared a place. He prepared the place. You're going to get there if you'll be led by the spirit. Obviously, I'm not listing on an exhaustive list because you've got to live clean. You've got to be obedient to the covenant. There's a lot of things you've got to do. But I'm just saying generally, assuming you're tithing and you're living clean and you're obeying generally, you've got to be led. You've got to get skillful in the inner witness. Not just visions and dreams, you know, or some word. I feel it. I feel it, pastor. No, no, I'm not looking for feelings. I'm looking for that velvety feeling on the inside. I'm looking for that knowing, that sense of knowing. I don't know why I know, but I just know that I know that I know. And I don't know why I know, but I know that I know that I know. And if you didn't hear me, I said, I know that I know that I know, but I don't know why, but I just know. That's called the bearing of witness. But I know it because I listen to it all the time. Are you listening to me? Slow down. Just a sense. Slow down. Slow down. Why? It's, it's in, we're in the country. There's nothing around. Why slow down? Slow down. So I slow down. And there that big, that big deer comes across the road and just stares and looks at me. I really know what they're talking about now, like, like a deer in the headlights, because that's actually happened to me. That just thing stared at me. It's like it's eyeballs. And it's just frozen. If I had not hit the brakes, I would have slammed right into that thing. And he was big. Now, would my insurance cover it? Yes. Would I have got hurt? Man, that pickup truck can ride over 10 of those things. I'm not in a little, little, a little you know, golf cart. I'm in a big, heavy pickup truck. I'm not worried about my safety, but God don't want the animal to die. You say, God don't care about that. Oh, really? Well, the Bible says that the righteous man is good to his beast. And he's not talking about his wife. He's talking about his beast, his animal. His animal. I'm just saying, because I know Junior, I know Junior started saying, oh my God, I got a scripture now. No, 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 brother. The Bible doesn't call our wives beasts. He just means the animal. That's all. Your wife is a princess and a queen. Give her a kiss and make up right now, quickly. (laughs) Greg, don't use that. God don't want the animal to die, but more than that, he cares about me more than the sparrow. He don't want the inconvenience of me having to get a rental car and, and, and having all that nonsense to clean up and replace the grill and all that stuff. Because in COVID, probably take a year, you know, because they don't have any supplies. I'd probably be driving a rental for a year and God just don't want that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But just, but just, a, little, just a little sense. Slow down. Slow down. But why? It's late at night. It's midnight on the country road. 
believe me, the cops are not around. <laughs> no, but he's still going to obey the law anyway. I'm just telling you, he's still going to obey the law. O- always obey the law. But, but I was just, I wasn't disobeying. I was just telling the Lord that I could disobey if he gave me permission. Right, Rob? Just, it was just a little, just like a reminder. Like if a tree falls in the forest, did it really fall? Well, if you speed on the country road at midnight, did you really speed? It's the same logic. It's just the same logic. It's just the same logic. Follow that inward witness. Follow that little sense. Become real sensitive to it. Become real sensitive. How do you know? The more you pray in the spirit and the more you're in the word, but especially praying in the spirit, you'll get to, say, you'll get to know, you'll get that sense. Now you've got to do that and you've got to release your angel. You've got to release your angel generally and specifically if he's going to bring you into the place that God has prepared for you. Hallelujah. So that was Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee, to protect you in the way. See, we need protection in this path, Jenny. Why? Because the devil's trying to get us off the path. The angel actually protects you to stay on it and bring you into the place that I've prepared. Now, real quick, it's 846. Don't be looking, don't be looking at your, I know the time. And it's time to turn to Exodus chapter 32. That's the time right now. <laughs> Exodus 32, verse 24. And I said unto them, you come to church for a Bible study. You're going to put a big tithe in today. We've got to give you your money's worth. Okay? <laughs> Praise God. And I said unto them, well, what, are, what are we talking now? Exodus 32. Is that what I said? 32, 24. Well, that's not the right scripture. So I couldn't have said that. <laughs> what? 34? Doesn't even have 34 verses, Greg. Yes, it does. Okay. All right. Thank you, brother. Verse 34. There. <laughs> Taylor, we're in the Old Testament, brother, not the new. Turn over to the new. Therefore, now go lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. That's the place he's prepared. Notice this time he said, I've spoken it to you. Last time he didn't say that. This time he said, I spoke. So he's prepared something happy. And if you're listening, he's going to show it to you. How is he going to show you that place? By the inner witness. And sometimes he'll actually tell you specifics so that you know what you're believing for. Other times he doesn't, but he oftentimes will speak to you about the place. So he doesn't just prepare it. He talks about it to you. You see that? Uh, Spoken unto thee, behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day I will visit their sin upon them. Now, go over to the next chapter. Let's see if we can get this one right. And verse 1, chapter 33, 1. And Moses said unto, the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up thence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swore unto Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel, small a, because it's the host that's with Jesus, before thee, and will drive out the Canaanites. See, the angel goes before to do plowing. Angels are into plowing. Do you understand? Just like that guy plows the snow, the angel plows the road for you. I'm serious. So he's got a place prepared. He's going to speak to you about that place. And an angel is going to plow the road so that you can remember, I'm protecting you. I'm keeping you. I'm guarding you on the path because the enemy wants to get you off the path. But angels will plow a lot of those enemies in front of you so that there's minimal resistance. And some people with minimal resistance still step off the path. Do you understand? And what I said about that couple before with the house, I've done that myself. We're not judging anybody. We're trying to do teaching as a teaching lesson because I want people to understand that timings are important. He's got a place prepared. He's going to talk to you about that place and the angel's going to plow the road for that place. So you've got to release your faith. If you don't know what the Bible says, how can you release your faith? Do you even know that the Bible says the angel will plow the road for you? Now that you know it, start releasing your faith and start saying, angel, go plow the road for me. Go remove obstacles and roadblocks. Remove enemies because the enemies here are the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Angel, remove the obstacles. Angels are good at removing obstacles. But you've got to tell them to do that. If you don't even know they can do that, you won't tell them. If you don't even know that God has prepared a place, you're going to be fighting your way through life. If you know he's prepared a place, but you're ignorant of how you get there by being led and by releasing the angel, you'll just float along and you'll step off the path more times than you stay on it. Most people are like that. Most Christians step off the path more than they're on the path. God wants us skillful with his will. Amen. Amen. And not moved by money. And not move by, well, it's, uh, it's more convenient for me to fly, not drive. 
It's better if I hurry and do the thing in two years, not four years for the plane. You can't be moved by what saves you money. You can't be moved by ambition. You can't be moved by, you can't. You've got to settle it in your heart. You can't. You've got to settle it in your heart. Father, I'm not, I don't, nothing moves me but you. Nothing moves me but you. I don't have ambition or opinions. What do you want? And that is what I will do. Just show me and I'll do it. You've got to have a pureness there because if there's an ulterior motive, you're sunk before you even get out of the harbor. You're taking on water. Are you with me? It was, I'm, God's blessing us and he will continue to bless us. But I'll never forget that time I got sunburned in India. Again, not being led by the spirit. And really bad. I mean, really, really bad. I couldn't move for three days. You should have seen the color of my skin. I was dangerous too, because there was no UV protection in that part of India. And, and anyway, just really bad, stupid. Didn't mean to, I was just having a day off. But it bore unexpected fruit. Not that God did that. God doesn't do bad things so that it will bear fruit, okay? It's just that I was stupid. Enemy came in to hurt. But in my quietness that resulted forced stillness, it bore fruit because in that experience, in that pastor's attic, for about four days, after three days, I could finally move a little bit. But after it took me about five days, four or five days until I could walk properly. And, And during that time, It was a come to Jesus meeting. It was Jesus and me. I'll never forget it. I had one little tape, a cassette tape of, of, uh, what's that guy in in Singapore? Not, 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 you know, the guy that sings Hong Hong Kong, King He Kong. I actually met him with Brother Richard when we were there. He's a very nice man. Um, But anyway, He Kong and his wife, who's kind of gone a little bit a different direction now. But, but back then, man, she was anointed. And it was her, their church worship. As a, I remember it was a yellow cover. Looked like those psychedelic colors. I'll never forget it. And, and she's singing in English and sometimes in their language. And that's the only worship I had. And I played that about a thousand times. And I just sang like a Baptist around a campfire. I'm telling you, I sang whether I was in tune, out of tune, or under the tune. It don't matter. I sang. That's all I could do because I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything else, but I could talk. And so I just sang my way through that, then flipped it over, you know, because you had to take it out, flip it, and put it back in. Cole, you don't know what that means, but you had to do that stuff and press play. (laughs) There was no, the little repeat thing on the phone. It was rewind, wait, stop, play. No, that's not it. Forward, stop, play. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Thank God those days are over. But anyway... And I just had a come to Jesus meeting, me and him. And he, he, it was a motive searching of hearts. And he dealt with me in that time. I'll never forget it. That was a very important moment for me. Because what God was doing was, and I didn't know anything about the prosperity message. So I had no ambition to be anything anyway. In fact, I was convinced I'd never own a home. I believed back then that if you were real spiritual, you didn't own homes. You just, you know, you just, you're a missionary. And you live in huts and in the grass. And then you're going to get an extra big mansion when you get to heaven. That was honestly my, I never thought I'd ever own a home. I never thought I'd ever, nothing. Like it was just, I'm just, I'm a missionary. I hadn't met Jenny yet. Thank God she straightened me out, but, but I hadn't met her yet. And I was just, I just give my life to missions. And and, and God knew that I didn't have that, that covetous mind. He already knew that, but still he spent three days talking to me. Why, why do you want to go into ministry? Well, Lord, I want to preach the gospel, but, but, but where, where's, where does money fit into that? And for three days, he dealt with me about the motive of my heart and why I'm doing this. And I left that place. That was a time with God. I left that place knowing that I had passed his test. Are you listening to me? I'm all for the prosperity message. But before I'm for the prosperity message, I'm for the will of God. And a lot of preachers don't believe that. You have to get to the place where in ministry and in life, where you say, Father, I give myself to the will of God utter, to, to the uttermost. And Father, if it, I know it, now I didn't know then, but I would say now with more revelation, it will produce. But that is not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I got to keep my heart right about your call. Now, back then, I didn't know it would produce anything, so I honestly couldn't say that. So I would just say, Lord, uh, I'm in this, and it probably won't produce anything. And it's okay. I remember saying, I remember saying, Lord, it's okay. I don't need to own anything. I don't need to own a home. 
I, I really don't need you. And you need to bring me a wife who will be willing to sleep with me in the grass. I remember saying that because we're going to go on the mission field and we're not going to own anything. And so she has to be willing to sleep in the grass or she's not going to make it with me. I remember praying that in that three day. Now I was speaking without revelation because I hadn't learned the revelation, but it didn't matter. God was looking at my heart. He was looking at why am I doing this? Because part of this path thing and in taking you to the place he's prepared, he has to test the reins of your motives. You have to be pure. Otherwise it's going to hinder you from entering it. Are you listening? Everybody wants to talk about getting to the place. But, but I'm telling you, that there's, there's got to be, he has the place, but he's going to talk to you. He said, I'm speaking to you about, so you've got to learn how to listen to his leading. You've got to send out that angel, generally and specifically. That's very important. And, and you've got, you got to live clean, but not just, I'm not sinning, I'm tithing, I'm not having sex outside of marriage, I'm not cheating, I'm not. Obviously, that's living clean. But what about why you're doing what you're doing? I'm serious. A lot of you, God wants to bless you with business, but you need to ask yourself, what is your motive? Because if, you might find there are seeds of covetousness inside you that you didn't think were there. Covetousness is money-minded and greed. God don't have a problem with people being rich. He said that today, hey, I have a problem with being covetous. But until you have settled it in your heart, I do this for you. I do this for you and for your kingdom. Yes, I know you'll bless me. And I couldn't say that because I didn't know he'd bless me. So I said, I probably won't be blessed and I don't need it. I do this for you. Now, we know we're blessed, so we have to change the wording a little bit, but we still need to say, I do this for you. Yes, you'll bless me, but I'm not doing this so that you'll make me rich. I'm doing this because I want to fulfill the call. It's very important you divide that in your heart because otherwise I'm, I'm, I'm speaking. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I know by the spirit I'm speaking to somebody tonight. If you don't check that, there'll be a tiny chink in the armor of your spirit about money. And the devil will wait and plan it. Sometimes years he'll wait until that right perfect moment. And then he'll come in because of that, that little open door there. That little, you know, that little, uh, that, that little, like the scale of an armor. It's a little cracked and that arrow can get in and pierce the heart. He, he will, he'll wait. He'll wait years sometimes for the perfect moment because he knows he's got a hook in you. And then when you're weak and when, the, when all the things have aligned perfectly, then he'll come in with that temptation. He'll come in with that lust of money and he'll exemplify and magnify and exploit that false motive inside of you. And before you know it, you're in big, 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 big trouble with God and with following his plan. So you gotta, you got to cut every ounce. I know prosperity preachers don't like this preaching, but I'm telling you, I'm right. I'm not against prosperity. But I'm telling you, you've got to deal with the motive a hundred percent that you are actually willing to not be prospered. Even though you know that you will, which I didn't, so it was easy for me. But, but, but if you today know that you, but you still got to deal with it, Lord, I know that, but I, I separate that away from my motive heart, right? I cut that away. And I want you to know, even if that didn't happen, I'm still doing this for you. I'm doing this business because I want to honor you. Not just so that I can drive six cars. I'm doing this to honor you. Now, I know that you'll bless me and you will, but my heart is pure in this. How can he bring us into a place of this wealth and prosperity and abundance if there's chinks in the armor because of covetous in, inside of us? I'm serious. Are you listening to me? It's so important that you guard that. You guard that. It never feels good. But I left that place, <laughs> I left that place after a while healed, and, and, and I left that place in my heart knowing uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the grass. I'm ready, just send me a wife, because she's going to have to be somebody really special. Seriously. But then you come, and the thing is, Jenny would sleep in the grass. She would, because she's dealt with her motives. But you know what? We never will. But you know what? I'm willing. It wouldn't bother me. Because why? The blessing's on me. If I sleep in the grass one night, if I'm abased one night, I'll be, I'll be at the Taj Mahal the next night. And I'll be abounding. It doesn't, but doesn't matter to me. I don't have an attitude about it. 
I don't have a demand. Uh, I have a demand on the Lord, but not on people. I don't go to places and say, you're going to pay me this and you're going to do this. and You're going to treat me that way. I don't do that because it doesn't matter if they don't treat me right. And it doesn't matter if I'm abased for a season because I know that the blessing's on me and it's going to push me to the other side. And when my wife obeyed the call to go to Bible school, now I would have probably done it a little differently to her because I'm a real planner and she is not as much of a planner. But I love the fact that she just reached out the hand of faith and she went there and she literally said, I mean, I said it and I meant it and I would do it, but I never had to do it. But you actually did it. I know, I know, and I know, but you said, God, I'm going to Bible school because you told me to, and I have no money and I have no place to stay. And so I'm going to the park and I'm going to sleep on the bench. Literally. And if there's no bench, I'll sleep in the grass because you called me to go to this Bible school and I'm going. And she actually went there and she was ready to sleep that night in the grass. So really, (laughs) I mean, I got what I asked for because I said, God, give me a woman that's willing to sleep in the grass. And I didn't realize that that actually was fixing that actually by that time it had already happened because I said that in 96. That was 96, Jenny. I just realized that right now. I prayed that prayer in 96, in July of 96. (laughs) And it was September that she went to sleep on the grass and she was there in the grass and just waiting as the sun's going down. And Lord, I, 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 I'm here. I'm going to obey you. I have no motive, but I know you're going to bless me. She had revelation. I didn't have. Now I'm asking you to now take care of me. But, but I just want you to know I'm doing this anyway because my heart's, my heart's going to follow you no matter what. Faith does whatever it takes. Faith does whatever it takes. Faith doesn't have just all this fancy highfalutin. Well, you got to do this for me and you got to do that for me. Faith does whatever it takes. And that girl came by. Jennifer? Jennifer? Is that Jennifer? What are you doing in the park? Well, I'm, I'm just, just waiting on God. Well, where are you staying? I don't have a place to stay. Well, now you do. You're staying with me. And that's how God opened the door for her to stay with her roommate. But I'm saying, like, that's, that's, that's real. Man, you're willing to go that far? To obey God? And to not be, not be demanding in your conveniences? That, see, your motive has to be right. Now, now, we'll never have to see him in the grass, but if we do, I'll enjoy it. And probably when I go to northern Philippines. Because, Rob, I've been checking, and they don't have Marriott, Hilton. They don't even have Motel 6. <laughs> they have nothing. They have nothing but the grass. But you know what? I, I'm happy to do it. Nothing's, nothing's beneath me. Nothing's above me. Because he's prepared a place. He's going to bring me into that place. I didn't get everything I wanted to say tonight, but I felt that the nuggets would help you. My brothers and sisters, would you pray attention to the flow on a Wednesday night? Because the flow on a Wednesday night is totally different than the flow on a Sunday morning. And if you're watching by live stream and you honestly cannot come, I respect that. Make sure you watch the service. If you can't, then after the fact, watch. And if you can come, make the effort because Jesus is worth you getting in your car. He's worth you putting on your clothes. He's worth you coming and lifting your hands with your brothers and sisters. If you can come and you don't come, it's okay with me. I don't care, but you will give an answer to Jesus when you see him because when you come, you are treating the local body a certain way. When you don't come, you're also treating the body a certain way. And Jesus takes that personally because it's his body. So I'm not judging people, but I'm trying to get people to step up and be skillful with honor. We got to be skillful with honoring God's house and God himself. So I thank you for making the effort to come. And I hope you get little nuggets. When I kind of get into this flow, there's a lot of little nuggets and, and, and trails. You know, when I was preaching on Sunday morning, he changed the sermon on me like last minute and I was scrambling in the car because we had a driver and he was driving us from the hill and, and I'm like, oh God, please let this be a long drive and it's only like six minutes, right? And I'm just, I'm just on my phone, I'm trying to find some kind of cohesive order to put the sermon in because he changed it on me last minute. And so I, I, got, I finally, as we're pulling into the thing and they're opening the door, I'm doing the last note, but I don't have time to review the nine items and kind of memorize them. They're just there, but I, I know I have to really look at my, my notes if I'm going to have any kind of flow. But I get up there and I never looked at my notes, I don't think one, maybe one time in that hour, because as I'm going, I, 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 I would hear a voice say, say this and say that. And the whole time it was just like, like that. 
And then afterward, I went back, compared the sermon to my notes, and every single note except half of one, I forgot one example, but everything came out. Everything. Nothing was missed. I didn't look at the phone, not one time, except maybe one time. Because that's, see, that's being led by the Spirit pastor as you preach. That's being led as you preach. Amen? So you can be led like that when you're at work. I'm not saying don't study. I'm not saying don't pay attention and prepare yourself. But let's just say things happen and all of a sudden you're in a pressure cooker. You've got the Holy Ghost. You're doing a presentation. You haven't done that exactly all. You've got the Holy Ghost. He'll just prompt you. Say this. If you're in the meeting and you're trying to get that job and you, 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 you want to say the right things, just relax. You've got the Holy Ghost. When, when they ask a question, he'll just prompt you, answer it this way. You just have a sense, just kind of a knowing. It's not always a voice, usually it's just a knowing. Just answer it this way. Or, or don't say anything right now. Uh, be, be extra friendly or don't be too friendly. The Holy Ghost knows everything. Amen. You've got the Holy Ghost. If he can help you preach, he can help you in interviews. He can help you with clients. He can help you as you negotiate deals with all these high people with all their, uh, their PhDs and everything. You've got something greater than a PhD. You've got, I'm not against PhDs, but you've got the Holy Ghost. He can help you navigate. So let him. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll pick it up another time because I'm not done, but he has prepared a place. You are not wandering aimlessly. And if you are, slow down, get in your spirit, listen and send your angel. Stay on the path and keep your motives pure. That is so important.